right, M12. Well, hey, listen, it is so good to see you tonight. So if you want to, go ahead and open up your Worship Center Bible, if you have one of these guys, to page number 1218-1218. We are in a series tonight that we're wrapping up, and it's called Faith Works. The series is called Faith Works. And so what we've done in this month of June, right, is that we have intentionally been walking us through the book of James. James, the writer of James, right, the brother of Jesus, he wrote this book. And some of the things that we've talked about, right, and some of the things that we've discovered together is that to live out the Christian life the way that God intends us to live it out, right, is that not only is it important to believe but it's important that with that belief that we put action to our belief. That's why James says without faith or without worse, faith is dead. So we, can only, we can't just believe it. We have to act on right what we believe. And so the last couple of weeks we talked about that. We also have looked at what does it look like to have faith? What does it look like to have belief in, in the situation when we're faced with trials? When we go through really challenging times or in situations like last week when we walk through or we're faced with any type of temptation. And so what we hope is that you have learned a little bit more about this book of the Bible and about how maybe God wants you to live your life and who he wants you to be. And tonight, I want to finish the conversation by looking at James chapter 3, page 1218, and I want to talk about what I think is the ultimate game changer in your life and in mine, and that is our words. The ultimate game changer in my life and in your life is our words, the things that come out of our mouth. But before we get there tonight, I want to talk a little bit about game changer. So game changer is something that we probably all understand. It's an easy concept. Game changer simply means that things that make life better for you, better for me. So here's a couple of things that for me make life better. Number one is ice cream. Anybody an ice cream fan in the house? All right, now listen. Ice cream is a game changer. I love ice cream. And one of my flav favorite flavors is called Tonight Dough. Anybody ever had Tonight Dough? If you have never had Ben and Jerry's Tonight Dough, you got to get some of that, all right? Because you are missing out in life if you haven't had it. Or secondly, how about this one? It's called Half Baked. It's really, really good ice cream, chocolate chip cookie dough, and chocolate brownies, and vanilla ice cream, kind of all in one little tub. And uh, man, it is so so good. Here's an interesting, the, uh, an interesting one. Have you guys ever heard of camo, uh, camo and cream? Anybody ever heard of that? I just saw that and thought, I'm going to put that on the screen. Have you tried that? Anybody ever tried that one? It sounds pretty, pretty nasty. Maybe it's the ice cream for hunters or for the military. Maybe another game changer, right? Especially when I go to the movies, it's called Starburst Flavo Reds. Here's a picture. Starburst Mini Flavor Reds. Now, let me ask a question. How many of you guys, just a show of hands, don't need a, don't need a lot of conversation happening. 
especially right here in the middle, right here in the middle, don't, lead, don't need a lot of conversation happening, but here's the question. How many of you, when you open up a, a bag of Starburst, you bypass the yellow and the orange? You know what I mean? You're just going for the strawberry, the cherry, the red, the pink, right? Well, here's why this is a game changer. It's because the only flavor in the bag is the red and the pink. It's amazing. And if you pick one of those up on the way to the movies, it will change your life. Another thing that is a game changer that's coming up soon, gentlemen, right? College football. Anybody a college football fan in the house? Now, I want us to sit in something for a second. A couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, the unexpected happened, and the Alabama Crimson Tide actually got beat. And I just want us to take... 30 seconds and watch this video to refresh your memory. Check this out. That right there, ladies and gentlemen, is a game changer. Nobody expected that to happen, but it did. Sorry if you're an Alabama fan. You lost. And that was like four years ago. So, but hey, stay with me, guys. Stay with me. A lot of energy in the room tonight. See, what we've learned in this series, right, is hopefully... What we've learned in this series has hopefully been helpful for you, and tonight, as we wrap up this book of James, it's no different, because what I want to do tonight is I want to talk to you about the single most powerful muscle in your body and in mine. It is the single most powerful muscle, but it is perhaps the one thing that can cause a lot of challenges in your life and in mine. I want to talk about the tongue. See, with the tongue, with the tongue, it can be used for good or for bad. It can be used to tear someone down or to build someone up. It can be used to encourage someone or make fun of someone. It can be used to make someone smile, and it can also be used to make someone angry or sad or disappointed. See, the tongue is a very powerful, powerful thing, but sometimes the tongue can also be used as a source of embarrassment. So I know for me, one time, a source of embarrassment, I uh, saw this young lady in the mall, and I didn't know this young lady. I was just trying to pay a compliment with my words, right? And so I walk up to the young lady, and I just said, hey, I just want you to know I'm, I'm, so, I'm so glad for you to, to be pregnant. And she looked at me, and she said, well, I'm not pregnant. And so I felt terrible, right? I was ultimately totally embarrassed, kind of one of those moments, one of those moments where I just want to kind of crawl into a hole and pretend like I don't exist, you know? Or one time, even right here, even right here at M12, right, even right here at M12, I was from a distance, okay, from a distance, I had seen a student. This student is no longer here, but I, I saw a student, and, and from a distance, I was like, what's up, dude? How's it going? And, and they turned around, and it was a girl. Total embarrassment, right? So sometimes our words cause massive, massive embarrassment. But see, listen up, guys. The tongue, our words, our speech, is a very powerful, powerful thing. And 
The, the truth is, it's really, really powerful, so powerful that that's our bottom line tonight. If you're taking notes, I want you to look at this. It says simply this, words are powerful. Words are powerful. And in the scripture, in Proverbs, this is a book that was written by the wisest man to ever walk the face of the planet. This is what he said. He said, the tongue has the power of life and death. The, the tongue has the power of life and death. Now, let me stop here because I want to make sure that we all understand something. Some of you are in here and you're not listening and you need to be. Because I think maybe God might want to teach you something about the power of your speech. But see, when you're talking, when I am talking, then you're not going to learn about what the Bible has to say about the power of your words. So I need you to listen. I don't need you to speak tonight. I need you to listen with the two ears that God gave you. Because I think it might be helpful. See, words are powerful things. And what I wanted you to get, I think what James might want you to get, is that when it comes to the things that you say, when it comes to the things that you text, when it comes to the things that you write, you can either use your words to hurt people or to heal people. And it's really that simple. You can use them to hurt people or you can use them to heal people. Not only to the, the words that you say to others, but even the words that you say to yourself. Some of you, the words that you tell yourself, the things you believe about yourself, tear yourself down. Words are powerful, powerful things. Whether it's something that someone has said to you or whether it's something you're saying to yourself. And see, James talks about words in all five chapters of the book. It's really incredible, which is why we're talking about it tonight. But I want to focus on James chapter 3. So if you have your Bible open to page number 1218, I'm going to read a passage with you together beginning in verse number 1 of James chapter 3, or actually verse number 2. Here we go. James 3, 2, and it'll be on the screen. Listen up. Here's what it says. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So in other words, James is saying this. All of us struggle. We all make mistakes. We all do things that are not so great. And this is the commonality that he's talking about is that it is in our words. That's where we've all messed up is with our tongue or our words. And then what happens is James does something really interesting that I think is very helpful. He takes three pictures to try to help us see the power of our words. So I want us to read that together. James chapter 3 verse 3. Here's what it says. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Now I want you to think for a second what James is saying. James is saying this. He's saying in the first two pictures, he's comparing our mouth or our tongue, right, to two things. He's comparing it to 
the bit that is put in the horse's mouth, which controls where the horse goes or controls how fast or slow that the horse goes. So you know how big an animal a horse is. One little bit in the horse's mouth is what controls where it goes. And then he compares it to a giant cruise ship. I mean, a giant cruise ship, if you've ever been on a cruise, right, those things are big, but they are steered through the wind and through the waves, this direction, that direction. They are steered by a very small rudder that is on the bottom of the ship. That is what steers the ship wherever it needs to go. See, James, this is what James might be telling you and might be telling me. The tongue is the steering wheel of our life. If you want to write that down, if you're taking notes, I want you to, to, to capture that. The tongue is the steering wheel. It's going to come on the screen. The tongue is the steering wheel of our life. See, James is warning us. He's warning us that where your tongue leads you, your life will follow. Listen up. Where your words lead you, where your tongue leads you, your life will follow. And the truth is, for some of us, we are letting our tongues drive themselves. See, for some of us, for many of us, we have zero control over our words. We have zero control over our tongues. Now, here's the thing. This is what James is talking about. He is saying that all of us have stumbled in this way. If we haven't stumbled in this way, then we're perfect. And we know we're not perfect. See, all of us struggle in this area, which is why we need God's unbelievable help to help us use our tongues, use our words to bring honor to him and honor to others. We can't do that on our own. But for some of us, we have zero control. For some of us, if you took the way that you speak to people or even the things that you tell yourself, this is sometimes what I think is even difficult, more difficult for us is the things that we tell ourselves, the things that we believe to be true about ourselves. This was what it would be like. It would be like you getting into a car, putting on your seatbelt, Turning on the ignition, and I know you're not driving yet, unless you're an adult leader. Turning on the ignition, hitting the gas pedal, and then taking your hands off the steering wheel. See, here's the deal. Listen up. If, if you did that, it would not turn out very good, and eventually it will wreck you. That's what James is saying. That's the power of the tongue. That's the power of our words that can either heal or they can hurt. And I want you to listen to what he is saying and what he's saying in this book. The tongue is powerful. But then there's a shift. See, then James takes another word picture, a third word picture. So he compares it to the bit in a horse's mouth. He compares it to the, the tiny rudder on a giant cruise ship. And then he talks about this one, and here it is in verse number five. It's going to read like this. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. 
It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his or her life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Okay, James takes a dramatic turn here, right? I mean, he's talking about horses, he's talking about ships, and then he talks about how the tongue is like a small fire, right? And here's what he's saying. Your words, students, your words can burn relationships in your life. They can. Your words can burn away influence that God has given to you. Your words have the power, right, to get you into big trouble really quickly. Let me say it again. Your words have the power to burn away relationships in your life. I would, I would guess that if you and I were sitting at a coffee table across from each other and I asked you the question, how many of your relationships have gone south because of something that you said to someone or something that someone said to you, a lot of you would say, a lot. See, because words can burn relationships. Burn, words can, can burn away influence that, that you have. It can wreck your life. See, I remember when I was in middle school and high school, one of my passions was I loved playing. Well, I loved to compete. Maybe you know that, maybe you don't. I love to compete, I love to win, and one of the things that I loved competing in was church league basketball. Church league basketball, and here's the reason, church league basketball was fun. And it was fun because, man, it wasn't like super, super duper important where you were like, I mean, yes, there were playoffs at the end and all this kind of stuff, but, and you wanted to win, right? But you were playing against other churches and, and, uh, and all that good stuff. And so for me, but here's the thing. When you combine wanting to compete with church league basketball, the, the, it can be a challenge, right? And so I remember when I was in middle school. I was in middle school. We were playing this game, and, and the game was close. I mean, it was kind of like a two-point, four-point game the entire game. And at this particular time in the basketball game, my team was ahead. We were winning. We were up by two points, and then it happened. We got a fast break layup. Ladies, gentlemen, if you don't know what that means, I had a free shot to the basket. The ball came right over my shoulder, caught it beautifully. Defense is on that side, offense is on this side, except there was one defender in front of me, one defender in front of me, and he was still moving when I went up for the layup. Beautiful, just finger roll layup off my fingers, you know, I, I know you guys can imagine this because I'm a huge athlete, I'm really athletic, you guys know that, so finger roll off my fingers, and right, right when it goes in, I, I, I look at the guy, I'm kind of taunting him a little bit, I go, and one, and then I hear a whistle blow, and so the whistle blows, and what happens is that the referee looks at me, and he calls a charge, on me, which means that the two points that I thought were ours were taken away and the ball was given to the opponent. And so in that moment, students, I did not like that call. And I said some things that caused, if you will, a pretty large fire to the point that one, I was given a technical and two, I was ejected from the game. And yes, we're talking about church league basketball. 
Talk about being embarrassed and causing a huge fire in my life. Because of that, I was benched for the next two games. I had to apologize to the other team and the coach and the player. And my parents made me go and apologize to the referee. It was not one of those shining moments in my life. See, words have the power to burn away relationships. Words have the power to burn away influence. And that day, I lost a ton of influence. Playing church league basketball and being ejected from the game. I mean, who does that? But see, that was me. And it was because the words that I chose to say to that referee were not, were not okay. My actions, my attitude, and the things that came out of my mouth were uncalled for. And see, the, the, the reality, students, is that I hope you're waking up to the truth of what this could mean for you, too. Because the words that you say are very, very powerful. They really, really matter, and that's what James is talking about. He says they're like a small match in a giant forest fire. That words can eventually cause a huge, huge fire to happen. I mean, think about the bridge on 85. You guys remember all that stuff that went down? Think about what happened that led up to that and what happened after that, right? It was just, listen, it was really just kind of a, a small thing that took place that caused this giant bridge that thousands and thousands and thousands of cars have to use every day to get back and forth to work, to burn. And see, your words can do that. Maybe it's the words that you share with your parents. Maybe it's the words that you say to your teachers. And, and, and honestly, as I, think about, as I think about this, students, I mean, ladies, think about, think about this for a second. Think about things like gossip. I mean, how many of your, how many fires have you started because of words that you said about someone else that weren't even true? Or, or guys, I think about like, I, I think about the whole idea of, of locker room talk. I mean, guys, how many fires have you started for someone else because your words, the words that you used when you were, you know, with your boys? You see, James is warning us tonight. He's warning you. He's warning me. And he's saying, he's saying, listen, words are powerful. And they can burn you. They can tear other people down in the process. So I want you to ask yourself a question tonight. Here it is. Do the words that you say, do they hurt or do they heal? It's really simple. Do the words you say hurt or do the words that you say heal? And see, this is what I believe. I believe that when we allow our words, our tongue, the things that we say to people or about people, I think that it can have a direct impact on the type of life that you live and the type of life that I live. And so I want to get really practical for a second and I want to give you a couple things. One, I want to give you a caution, and here it is. This is something I learned from, from my experience with church league basketball. Here's the caution. Shut up when you're angry. There it is. 
shut up when you are angry. See, here's what I know. I would say that a lot of times when we allow our words to become that giant forest fire, it's when we're angry or it's when we don't understand something fully which makes us angry and then that in turn makes us pop off of the mouth. It makes us say things that we don't really want to say or say things that we wish we could take back or say things that later in life or later in that day or later in that week, we actually regret those things that we say. See, students, what James would say is shut up when you're, when you're angry. And he said it like this in James 1. He said, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. In other words, anger is never going to get you to where you ultimately want to be. Think of the times that you were steered by your anger. Ultimately, it got you nowhere. That's what happens. What James is saying is be quick to listen, slow to speak. So here's the two action steps tonight. Number one, listen more than you speak. Man, that's pretty simple but it's really hard to do. Listen more than you speak. I mean, even tonight, you struggle with just listening more than you speak. You think you have to speak to the person next to you. You have to be a distraction in the room instead of listening to maybe a truth that God wants to deliver to you through the Bible. Listen more than you speak. In your relationships, listen more than you speak. In your friendships that you, you hang out with your friends, what if you chose to listen more than you spoke? Man, you would be a better friend. What if your friend chose to listen more than, more than they speak? They would be a, a better friend. Listen more than you speak. And the second thing is this. Look for ways to encourage. Look for ways to encourage other people. Here's what the Bible says. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. See, students, Scripture is really clear in this moment. It says this. It says, when you speak, it should be done in such a way that it builds up and it benefits. That's what the Bible says. When a word comes out of your mouth, it should be said in a way and said because and for only one reason, that is to, or two reasons, to build up and to benefit. That's what Ephesians is saying. That's what Paul is saying. Only when it is helpful for building others up according to their needs, and here it is, that it may benefit those who listen. Let me ask a question. As we wrap up tonight, can you imagine, can you imagine what this ministry would be like if every time we spoke it was a way to build someone up or to encourage someone? If it was to benefit the, the receiving in who could hear it? Or can you imagine if every time a word came out of your mouth to someone, it was only meant and it only had the purpose for encouraging other people, for building other people up? Can you imagine the number of students 
that would want to be in this room, that would want to come to this ministry? Because here's what I know. I know that no one ever gets tired of being encouraged. Encouragement is not something that we can get enough of. Encouragement is something that we can never give enough as well. See, everybody loves to be encouraged. And if you could imagine for a second what this ministry would be like if we just chose to encourage people all the time. Or can you imagine what your family would be like if every time you spoke in the four walls of your home, that it was to encourage. See, I know this. I know that a lot of you, you've got family that argue like cats and dogs, man. They argue all the time, and, and you just want to get away from it. You're like so re- relieved that to be here tonight because you don't have to listen to people arguing. I hate that you have that circumstance in your life, but can you imagine Can you imagine if we were able to live among constant encouragement? Can you imagine the type of world that we would be living in? Can you imagine what that would do to the schools that you'll be going to in the fall? I mean, half the issues that we have, half the drama that we face is all due to something that someone said or something that you said to someone else. The reason you get in trouble or the reason that your relationships go south is oftentimes because of your words. And that's the the warning that James is giving tonight. And so here's the practical way this plays out. Number one is this. Tonight, or sometime tonight or sometime this week, I, I, I want you to use the tool of text message to encourage another person. It might be a family member. It might be a sibling. It might be a friend. And it could be as simple as, hey, I just want you to know I am so grateful for you in my life. And just see, students, just see what that does to your relationship with that person. See how they respond to that text message. See, because sometimes what we also do is we use our social media to tear people down. Maybe we make these fake Instagram handles because we want to discourage people or we want to tell people things that are not true about themselves or we want to spread things across the World Wide Web, if you will, or we want to post pictures, but we don't really want people to know who we really are. They call that a, a finstagram, a fake Instagram. And see, maybe that's you tonight. Maybe that's you tonight. Listen up, listen up. Maybe you have one of those tonight. And here's the reality. I want you to listen to this. Because here's the reality. What you think is your fake Instagram is really your real one. It's really who you really are. If you feel like you have to have something fake to truly express yourself. And see, what I want to encourage of you tonight is that you would get rid of that mess. 
and use things like social media to encourage other people. The second thing tonight is simply this. After you choose to text someone and use social media, maybe it is through Instagram, maybe it is through something like that, or you know whatever it is you guys have, Snapchat. But the second thing is this. Before we leave tonight, before you leave and get into your car and, and drive to your house with your parents, I want to encourage you to encourage one other person in this room tonight before you leave. It could be just walking up to someone and giving them a hug and telling them you're glad they came to M12. It could be, you know, a friend that's with you tonight. Don't do it right now. I want you to wait. I want you to give it some thought, students. I want you to do this when you've actually had a, a chance to think about who you want to go and encourage. And I just want you to see... I want you to see the power of what encouragement can do and the power of what encouragement will do when you take time to use your words to benefit and build other people 